Welcome into the BetUS College Football Show. It is week three. That's right. We've had a pretty fun week zero, week one, and week two. It is time to get into the thick of it. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. Let me go ahead and introduce our experts on the left side of your screen. His name is Parker Fleming. He's the numbers guy, our analyst, if you will. I call him the numerical guru. You can follow him on Twitter at Stats of War. Parker, how are you, sir? Gary, I don't think that I'm exaggerating when I say that Saturday was one of the best football watching days of my entire life. Like, how fortunate were we that this week two slate turned out to be so engaging from start to finish? Also, if I uh, I think we'll talk about this, not a bad week for the three of us on the BetUS show. So feeling good headed into week three, um, definitely hitting our stride and got some good games this week to talk about. Now, you are certainly right about that. I mean, it was an all-day thing. And the staggered start times, which is what I've been hoping for for a very, very long time, certainly helped things because Certain games were ending. You could see crazy finishes leading into other crazy finishes. It was just nuts all day, tons of upsets, et cetera. Uh, and that's what week two does, right? It, it shows us exactly who's a contender, who's a pretender, et cetera, and it continues on into week three. Be wary of those sleepy Saturdays where you don't think there's a ton of good matchups. It's going to give you something unexpected all the time, and we will continue to see that through the season. Let me go ahead and point us over to the right side of the screen. He's our award-winning professional handicapper. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Hunter Picks. Kyle Hunter, sir, another great week last week. Yeah, great week for the crew. I have to say, I didn't get to see as many of the games because I was at Ohio Stadium and I was a little bit bummed that I didn't get to see as many of the games and I'm getting these updates from a bunch of buddies like, oh my gosh, you got to turn this game on. You got to turn this on. I'm telling my wife, man, I wish I was watching these games. She's like, I thought you wanted to take our son to Ohio Stadium. I'm like, oh no, it's fine. It's fine. But uh, I think my favorite part of the day was when I got in uh, Saturday night and checked out that spreadsheet and saw that all three of us had had a great day. I thought that was, that was pretty awesome. So I love to see the success for the show as well. You are certainly correct about that. Winning days on both sides of it. Uh, before we get into the picks recap, the, the record recap, etc., let me go ahead and remind everybody, the show is live every Tuesday and Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel, that you have hit that notification bell, and since you're watching anyway, go ahead and hit that like button for us. That certainly helps out. we got a lot more people watching than have actually hit that thumbs up. So go ahead and hit the thumbs up. Jump into the chat. We do a Q&A at the end of every show it's always a good time. You guys ask great questions, and we've already got great stuff in here already. Mark is in, Ordinary Guy, Trent, Heath, Arbone, uh, Aaron is in, John Jacobs. I mean, you guys are awesome. So continue tossing in those questions. We will be entering a ton of them at the end of the show. And uh, so long as they are relevant to the topic at hand, we will probably shout out some of those in the middle of the games that we're talking about. So jump into the chat, help us out, and make sure that you like the show. Uh, also, if you can't get here for the live show, subscribe to the podcast. That certainly helps us out. It's the BetUS football show on any of your favorite podcast apps, Spotify, Apple, whatever it is. Go ahead and leave a five-star review. If it's on Apple, make sure it's a written review. That helps us out big time. The uh, the algorithm, the analyst, whatever the computer stuff is in the background, that helps that out. So the engagement certainly helps. Gentlemen, let's go over the records thus far on the season Last week was a big week. Uh, I will go ahead before we get to those official overall records. Last week I went five and two. Parker went four and one. Kyle went three and one, and that made us twelve and four against the number last week. Overall on the season, I am sitting at ten wins and four losses. Kyle with six wins and three losses, and Parker ten wins and four losses. That puts us at twenty-six and eleven. 
That is a 70.27% winning clip. Not too shabby thus far. Now, it won't always be like this, but I will tell you, uh, that's not bad to start things off. Not bad at all. Uh, Let me go ahead and remind everybody, Three Dog Thursday. Every Thursday on the BetUS TV main channel, we have the Three Dog Thursday show hosted by TJ Reeves. Basically, they're our guests. It's a competition show. It's basically a game show. And you're only allowed to pick underdogs. In the last two weeks on the show, I am 5-1 and one against the spread picking underdogs. And I have survived both weeks. Both of my competitors have not been so lucky. So, I will be back again this week. Go over to the BetUS TV main channel on YouTube or just BetUSTV.com. And you can find that show on Thursday mornings. I am happy to represent the college football show. And hopefully, we'll have another winning week next week. Now, let's get into the games at hand. We have got some fun matchups this week. It seems like a sleepy, sleepy Saturday again. But, my friends, I would tell you it is not. Florida State heads to Louisville on Friday night, and it is a 7.30 p.m. Eastern time kick on ESPN. Florida State, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The latest line over at BetUS, and the total sits at 56 on this one. Louisville won this game 31-23 to last year. They have won the last two in a row. Florida State. 0-4 in their last four road openers here. On top of that, uh, you look at what this line opened. It was a pick. Louisville went on the road and won at UCF last week and kind of surprised everybody considering how poorly they played at Syracuse to open up the season. Now, Florida State is coming off of a bye week. They are 2-0. They almost gave away the LSU game, but there are good things to find in this Florida State team Jordan Travis looks different. He looks like a good quarterback. His throwing motion, it appears, has gotten uh, a little bit better. Florida State, 6-1 and against the spread their last seven Friday night games. But they have been bad on the road. So that's definitely not good. They uh, they were 2-2 and against the spread on the road last season. So that's starting to change a bit. Uh, The trends may be not evening up with where these programs actually are right now. Uh, Louisville definitely got things right against UCF. Uh, They still didn't look great. In 10 scoring opportunities so far this year, only 2.7 points per scoring opportunity. Louisville has not been able to stop the run. Now, my question here, and Kyle, we're going to start off with you on this, is Norvell going to stick to running the football unlike what Gus Malzahn did in that Friday night game last week? I'm, I'm really curious your thoughts on this one. Kyle, what have you got for us? Yeah, I mean, to start, uh, Louisville looked so bad in week one. And then even in the first half last week, they really didn't look very good either. I mean, you were surprised that they weren't down by more. UCF had two touchdowns called back by penalty, and that was really definitely a key in that game as well. Uh, UCF's passing game was really bad with Plumlee last week. Like you said, they kept trying to pass. It wasn't really working very well. Louisville's defense, I think we, it'd be fair to say they, they did have some improvements, made some pretty good adjustments, at least this time. And Malik Cunningham looked a lot better in game two. Uh, still still a big uh, playmaker. Uh, I don't know that he has enough help on the outside in the passing game. I think Evans is a good running back with him. But uh, Florida State comes into this one with extra rest going into this one. They last played September 4th when they beat LSU. Uh, great win. Man, they tried to give that game away for sure. Uh, Travis threw for 260 yards in that game, guys. I mean, that was a pretty good performance by Travis uh, throwing the football because the question about him was always whether he could throw it or not. I'm so torn on this game because before the season, I was really high on Louisville. And I took a season win total over on Louisville. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'm still concerned, even though they won that game last week. You know, I, I really don't think they've looked very good. 
Uh, I had Louisville really high, had to downgrade them in my power ratings for sure. And, and Florida State's strength is their secondary. They are a bit questionable against the run sometimes. So you would think Louisville could score some points. I do think Florida State can score some points. From what I've seen so far this season, I would lean Florida State. But I hate to go against my priors when I go back in the preseason and I'm so strong on a team. You know, we've only had two games so far, so I hate to just throw all that out right away. I have to pass on this one, to be honest, but I think Louisville is uh, dead last in the country in rushing play success rate allowed so far this year. So a path to success for both offenses, although both have played pretty slowly. A tough game for me, so hopefully one of you guys has a little bit of a lean here or something. But I, I'm going to I'm gonna say that I would take the over if I had to bet this game. Uh, most certainly. the So it opened at 55 for the total, and it's up to 56. It also opened as a pick em. And it's now up to Florida State minus two and a half. Now, when I saw this open as a pick, I did immediately think, oh, I need to fire on Florida State because they have looked like the much better team thus far. But just like you, Kyle, my power ratings, I had Louisville pretty high. Based on last season, they only won six games, but their postgame win expectancy had them as closer to a nine-win team as opposed to a six-win team in the regular season. I, I'm a little wary of this one, especially with it being on the road, Florida State has not played well on the road over the past however many years. Is that something that you can just fix overnight? It is a Friday night game, which Florida State historically has done pretty well in. Parker, over to you. This is a tricky, tricky situation because Florida State, of course, coming off of a bye week is one thing, but in that time, I think it's given Louisville maybe time to correct some things that they did not have correct immediately against Syracuse. What, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, definitely a case with with uh, Louisville and Florida State that both have played kind of on the edge against uh, FBS opponents this fall and and had breaks go their way um, for Florida State and, and Louisville in one game not really go their way at all. Um, last week was a little more consistent. I think last week against UCF says a lot more about UCF than it does Louisville. They really just could not get a sustainable offense going at all. One number that I really circled in this matchup, um, I, I would have a very slight lean towards Florida State, but one number that I have circled in this matchup is that Jordan Travis's average depth of target on his uh, clean dropback, so where he's not pressured, is almost four yards longer than it was all season last year uh, on those same clean dropbacks. So he's been running for his life last year. This year he was still pressured pretty pretty um, heavily, but he's able to, you know, the offensive line and his mobility, they're, they're, they're able to move that offense around where he can get the ball downfield on those, on those clean drives and kind of get those... Um, long developing plays last year he was really you know throwing screens getting it out quick this time a little bit longer 12.2 uh, uh average depth of target and 2.4 time to throw uh and so the the more that travis can be given opportunities to get the ball downfield uh the the more i think his value with his legs kind of gets better because then you know those safeties and cornerbacks are going to be further away if he decides to bail if he decides to run if they call a draw something like that um, I, I think that that really frees up his opportunity if they can get some kind of semblance of downfield passing. Um, right now, they're sitting at about 73rd rush rate uh, over expected, so right in the middle. Louisville, on the other hand, absolutely pounding the rock, 114th in rush rate uh, over expected, so very slow there. Uh, I think that if if Florida State could hit a couple big plays, we might see them sit and kind of rush and just see if if Louisville will overcommit and then be able to hit uh, passing over the top. Uh, again, with Florida State off a of bye, with Louisville kind of looking like Jekyll and Hyde, I don't know there's a ton of value here. Slightly into Florida to state but i don't have an official play that's i'm the same way no official play on this but i do lean florida state they have looked like the better team uh, but again it is early and like you said parker the jekyll and hyde situation here with louisville 
uh, makes it where I'm a little wary to play either side of this, including the total, because like I mentioned, 10 scoring opportunities for Louisville, only 2.7 points per scoring opportunity. That's not good. So uh, if they can finish drives, yeah, certainly an over, but uh, staying away from this one for right now. So no official play, but uh, but we do have leans towards Florida State and a lean towards the over. Moving along, we now move into the Saturday slate. And this, of course, a fun non-conference matchup. Purdue, the Boilermakers, head to Syracuse, and this one is a pick. That's right, it's a pick em. We have a total of 58, the latest lines over at BetUS. And this is, of course, in the JMA Wireless Dome, which uh, will always be the carrier dome to me, regardless of who is sponsoring it. But uh, regardless, it is a 12 p.m. Eastern time kick on ESPN2. Purdue 4-1 against the spread their last five non-conference games, but they are 2-5 and five against the spread as a road favorite. And they did open as a road favorite here. This line has moved back towards Syracuse. It opened as Purdue a one-point favorite and then jumped up to Purdue minus one and a half. It even hit two and then it came all the way back down to where it is now a pick. Uh, this is a very interesting one to handicap here. Syracuse 6-1 and one against the spread their last seven at home. They do tend to play better in the Dome. They are 4-1 and one against the spread in their last five non-conference games, just like Purdue. Syracuse's offense has been lights out. With the, the new OC, Robert and I, uh, the quarterback, Schrader, the running back, Tucker, those guys have been completely in sync to start off this season. They are awesome. Schrader, by the way, who... We talked about last year as maybe not exactly being a passing quarterback. Anaya has figured out how to use him in just two ball games. He is number four in the country in QBR. Purdue, on the defensive side, number 57 in QBR allowed. So something to pay attention to there. Purdue's defense has been surprising. On that side, number 34 PPA per drive. Uh, they are number 30 in success rate allowed on the season. And, of course, everybody knows how much we love Aiden O'Connell. If you have watched any of this show at all, uh, but he is number 63 in QBR right now. Uh, the Iowa transfer, Charlie Jones, is awesome. I, I look at this, I am i can't wait to watch Tony White's defense against Jeff Brom's offense. Parker, I want to start with you on it. Syracuse, you look at their numbers on defense, they're allowing 78.6% completion percentage, but they've only given up one touchdown and they have two interceptions. Uh, what, what can we expect from this ballgame? Yeah, that's a great point about um, uh, like specifically with Purdue's defense. I had them actually pretty low. Look, just just this year's stats, 107th in defensive um, efficiency. The the especially against Penn State. I mean, a lot of those drives that didn't finish said a lot more about Penn State than they did about Purdue's defense. They they really have lost a lot on that side of the ball. But their offense, I mean, it's really really high volume. Of course, second overall in rush rate over expected. Um, and, uh, the EPA margin, they're 67th driven by that, that 41st overall, uh, offense, uh, on the flip side, Garrett Trader, uh, second highest PFF grade as a quarterback for, for whatever that means, you know, in terms of quality, just for Syracuse to have a person playing the quarterback position and someone watching them saying, Hey, I think this is pretty good is, is a huge step forward for them. 18th in offensive EPA per play and 63rd in rush rate over expected. So pretty balanced overall. Uh, a couple things to look at, um, is, is that, uh, Syracuse's, weakness on defense has really been the 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 run game relatively and um purdue obviously doesn't run very much at all and so uh couldn't couldn't sustain a running drive even to run the game out against penn state uh, a couple weeks ago so but i think we'll be a, interesting a big part of that let me interrupt you is that jeff Brom just doesn't want to do it right like yeah, I, I wonder if they could he he just doesn't do it in his offense right right a lot of times you'll see uh you know an air raid guy um 
say, hey, if you're going to put six guys in the box, we're going to have, you know, seven blocking. That that makes sense. We should audible and run. And it really does not feel like they are interested in doing that. Um, and so, yeah, maybe, maybe they can. Will they? I, I'm really not sure there. Um, a big split to look at is that um, Syracuse's defense has been really, really bad in terms of success rate. Um, and so their EPA per pass is, is pretty good. Uh, about 41st overall, but their uh, success rate on passing has been like 105th. So they're allowing just consistent on-schedule passes. Uh, that that makes me worried about Purdue and their offense here. Um, uh, the the other thing to look at is that Purdue has started pretty back in their own territory on all their drives, 106th in field position compared to Syracuse's seventh. Um, and so that 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 kind of a little bit counterweights that Syracuse defensive passing efficiency that Purdue is going to have to go so much further um, all the way down the, um, the, on the, uh, the, down the field on those as well. So um, no play here. This is a little bit of a chaos game just because the defenses are such an open question, but should be fun. I'm a little worried this game's going to take like six hours uh, because if Syracuse <laughs> is going to throw it a lot and Purdue's going to throw it a lot, we might see the clock not moving very fast. Um, but this, this one is, um, these feel like two kind of peer programs, Syracuse definitely on the rise and, and Purdue um, with a lot of promise with that uh, AOC to Jones um, connection. So we'll, we'll be watching the offenses, but mostly keeping a tab on the defenses to see who's real and, and who's not this weekend. Hey, Kyle, let's move it over to you. Uh, again, Tucker and Schrader have been dynamite thus far. Uh, give me Give me some thoughts on this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that Purdue has uh, been very su- successful overall offensively with Brom. I mean, I still think he's a very good offensive mind. I know it's easy to kind of uh, bash him after he couldn't run at the end of the game against uh, Penn State, but certainly Purdue's a good offensive team. And Tony White's a really good defensive coordinator, so I agree with you, Gary, that this is a strength-on-strength matchup. I do want to say Robert and I is a really good coordinator as well. And and uh, let's look at Virginia real quick and see how they've been doing without him. They miss him really bad. Obviously. So uh, Virginia was a lot more fun last year than they are this year. That's for sure. And I don't think it's just their offensive line. And I has definitely missed. So, you know, I think the uh, the UConn game last week means virtually nothing for Syracuse because without Roberson, uh, UConn's offense is not not good at all. They really aren't very good even with them. I'm still a bit skeptical, Gary, that UConn's or that uh, Syracuse's defense is this good. Uh, so I guess we'll find out in this one. The thing is, uh, like Parker said, their weakness is defending the run. So it might not show up in this game uh, that their defense isn't quite as good as what they've looked so far this year. Uh, I think Syracuse, the key to them on defense here is going to be how do they defend Payne Durham. Durham's such a good player. He's a matchup problem for everybody. Uh, I think it's the single biggest matchup in this game. And one other interesting point I wanted to bring up is Jeff Brom's teams at Purdue are 17-6 and six to the under on the road, and those have not been close. If you go back and see, the losses or the overs have been very close. The wins have been by a lot for the under. So uh, it suggests... Uh, based on that, you can see that his defensive numbers are slightly better away from home and the offensive numbers. Uh, it's just uh, very strong uh, trends for sure. I, I I will say this is just 23 games, right? So, you know, sample size is big enough, isn't big enough that I want to just say, hey, let's bet the under blindly. And again, uh, Parker, what he just said a minute ago, that it could be a five or six hour game. And that's what keeps me from taking the under in this one, because I hate the stopped clock all the time uh, for an under. So my lean is the under. really don't have a lean on the side. So I think Gary is the one that likes this one the most. Oh, most certainly. I don't know how many times Purdue and Jeff Brom have faced this 3-3-5 defense. 
But what Tony White does is he's got a lot of hybrid players that can really confuse and bait maybe Purdue into a few things that they're not super comfortable with. Yes, Durham is a matchup nightmare for what they're trying to do. But uh, again, if you can bait them into something that they don't want to do, you can get some takeaways. You can find a way to uh, get more drives out of it, honestly. I like Syracuse quite a bit here. Uh, my number on this was three. And the fact that I got them as an underdog to start, and now it's just a pick, uh, I will certainly take Syracuse to cover the spread at home. I like them over Purdue. Uh, Purdue has not uber-impressed me thus far. I still think they're really good. I still like Aiden O'Connell. Uh, but going on the road here, I think this is a big spot for Syracuse. I like them to win this ballgame, so I will take them as a pick em, and that is the official play for me on this. Now, hey, hey Gary, what was yeah. that? Do you do you recall that? Um, like, what was that? Was that 2020 or 2019 where Mississippi State like scored a million points on LSU and then didn't score another offensive touchdown because everyone had just said, "Oh, we're just going to drop eight. I wonder if Purdue's not a candidate for that this year, where defenses just say, "Oh, we're going to drop eight and make you actually try and figure out the run game." Yes. This yes. would be interesting, especially with the three-three-five having those flexible guys. I really wonder how aggressive Syracuse is going to be with like pressure instead of just saying you're going to have to earn this the the hard way. Yeah, I, I really like where you're going with it. That's kind of what I was thinking that Tony White would do with that 3-3-5 defense that he runs. Uh, you've got a lot of hybrid guys that play linebacker that can actually cover a little bit. Drop eight. Make them earn it. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I like Syracuse here. That was Bo Pelini's defense, by the way. First game <laughs> of 2020. Uh, that was that was bonkers. K.J. Costello threw for 600-something yards. Everybody crowned in the Heisman immediately in Mike Leach's offense. <laughs> And then, uh, and then I think he was benched like a game and a half later. So, uh, just <laughs> ridiculous. Let's uh, let's move along. We've got a big one that's going to be on Fox at 12 p.m. Eastern time. Oklahoma heads to Nebraska and the Cornhuskers here. First game of the post Scott Frost era, and the Sooners an 11 and a half point favorite. Latest line over at BetUS. The total sits at 66 and a half. And this one opened up. In Lincoln, Nebraska, as Oklahoma, a 14-point favorite with a total at 65-and-a-half. Mickey Joseph takes over here. Um, this is interesting. I mean, this game was 23-16 to 16 Oklahoma last season. Oklahoma 2-5 and five against the spread in their last seven in September. And they are 1-3-1 and one against the spread in their last five road games. Did not perform well recently in this kind of spot. Nebraska, however, 1-5 and five against the spread their last six at home. Have not done well. However, it is a new dawn. It is a new era at Nebraska. Scott Frost is now officially gone after that loss to Georgia Southern last week. It, this defense has had issues with everybody. They lost to Northwestern. They lost to Georgia Southern. They have given up a ridiculous amount of points. Uh, Nebraska, their offense has been able to put up points, but I wonder what they're going to be able to do against this Brent's, uh, excuse me, against this Brent Venables defense. That's a tongue twister there. Good gracious. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, number nine in QBR here, um, while Nebraska is number 76 in QBR allowed. And that's to uh, Kyle Ventrese, who didn't exactly throw the ball around a ton at Buffalo. Of course, he's doing so now at Georgia Southern. And Ryan Holinsky. I mean, it, we're, we're looking at a much better version of what <laughs> they've already faced. Uh, this is – Oklahoma is good at stopping everything that Nebraska does. Like this is this is going to be very interesting as to why this line has come down, et cetera. Kyle, I want to start off with you on this. Do we think that it is actually a Scott Frost problem? And by just removing him from the equation, 
maybe Nebraska is actually going to be able to get one of those one score wins. Maybe I'm curious your thoughts on this. Well, I was going to start out, you know, occasionally I do this where I'll throw a question to you guys. I mean, I think the biggest handicap of this game is did the players hate Scott Frost or not? I mean, because did they like him or did they not like him? Because if they didn't like him, that's why you want to bet Nebraska in a game like this. The theory is, you know, you fire a bad coach, you have to take the team in the next game. We've seen that in the NFL. It's been successful long term. Uh, so I guess I'm wondering, do you guys think they actually didn't like Scott Frost or do you think the problems are just bigger than that? I thought they were bigger. Uh, but I mean, I, I mean, I've been wrong before. It didn't seem like anybody didn't necessarily like him there. Uh, but maybe with some chemistry issues, obviously we saw some things jump up to the top with the offense between him and Mark Whipple already this season. The offense hadn't been the problem. So I'm, I'm curious. Parker, what about you? What, what do you think on this one? I'm not touching this with a 10-foot pole. Um, there's just weird juju going on with this game. I was rooting. One, how dare Scott Frost deprive us of the uh, you-have-to-give-him-an-extension game where he beats Oklahoma. That's what I was rooting for this year. This is less fun if it's the rallying cry. Um, Nebraska's inconsistency is just, I mean, this is a little bit of like trying to find a moving target from a moving target as far as what we can think about Nebraska is going to be. Um, I, I really don't know how I feel. They, you know, you could you could make all sorts of arguments like, well, they, you know, have a couple of mercenaries with the transfer portal and were pretty aggressive with NIL to make sure they were attractive for um people. And so maybe those guys are, you know, excited. Um, but I don't um I don't know that I have a strong lean on what they're gonna do after uh, uh post Scott Frost. I feel like uh, Scott Frost. I feel like Oklahoma plus uh, minus like 16 or whatever was absolutely a trap even before they uh, fired Scott Frost. But now I just don't know this, but this big of a, a line move and this much uncertainty, I really don't know that there's value here. Nebraska's defense has been really bad. And Gary, those QBR numbers that you gave up or that you listed um, also a ton of that comes from yards after the catch. A lot of that is poor tackling. A lot of that is ne- Northwestern just threw screens and literally ran by Nebraska defenders. So oh, yeah. um, I, I don't know if effort um helps with that necessarily if there is some some narrative there so uh, uh staying away from this one this one terrifies me I'm, I'm with you kyle let's uh let's get back over to you thoughts on the game here uh because it's uh, the line move is shocking and the total has gone from 65 and a half up to 66 and a half uh, they didn't get near that last season should, should we expect just a ton of points here well, I would lean to the over. It's getting so high that I'm not going to bet it personally. If I had to, I think I would take the over. And I will say, guys, the wise guys, the quote unquote wise guys have bet Nebraska every single week, right? So they bet Nebraska every single week and they lose money every single week. So they're going to try to do it again here. We'll see what happens. You know, are they going to go 0-4 against the spread? I mean, I, I wouldn't want to be betting Nebraska, to be honest. You know, I know they've lost a lot of close games, but I, I think the issues are bigger than Scott Frost. Uh, this is a fast-paced game, 12th in tempo for Oklahoma, 16th for Nebraska. That does two things. It allows for more points, and it allows for more potential of margin, a bigger margin. So uh, I, I'd be careful with taking an underdog in a high total like this. I, I will say one of the reasons I didn't bet the over is the long-term forecast calls for 15 to 20 miles per hour wins in this game, and that's enough that it could affect the game. And it's 66 and a half. 
I don't want a windy game for sure. So I'm a bit skeptical of this firing frost as this massive bump for Nebraska. Although, to be fair, you know, uh, the Cornhuskers have lost a ton of close games. So, you know, could they lose another close game here? It wouldn't shock me. But they're 124th in success rate allowed on defense. They've given up 17 plays of 20 yards or more. And like you just said, Gary, they haven't exactly played a murderous row of offenses either. Yeah, I'm, I'll am i tell you, there's no official pick on this one. I would lean Oklahoma, but it is there's a reason why we're not making an official pick on this because you don't know exactly what's going. I've been looking for injury updates, anything to see why this number has gone down so much from 14 at open all the way down to 11 and a half now. And I can't figure it out other than Nebraska just plays a ton of one-score games, but the guy that was in charge of those one-score games, could you guys imagine? If if Mickey Joseph gets a win over Oklahoma, <laughs> I mean, do they just give him the the head job on the spot? I, I'm just I'm so curious about this game. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, my lean is to Oklahoma. Uh, I would lean the over, but again, with those wins, yeah, you never know. 10 to 15 mile per hour winds. Love the weather updates from Kyle there. All right, uh, we'll move off. Let's go ahead and remind everybody about the podcast. Jump into the chat for the Q and A at the end of the show. Like the video, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, and don't forget about tomorrow's show. We do this every Tuesday and Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern time, so make sure that you are here for that. Moving along, we got a fun non-conference game here. Colorado heads to Minnesota, and the Golden Gophers are 27.5-point favorites at home, latest line, courtesy of BetUS. The total sits at 46.5. It's at Huntington Bank Stadium in Minneapolis and this is a 3.30 p.m. Eastern time game. You are going to hear a lot of that time period, by the way, <laughs> on this show because they stacked that time slot this uh, this week. So uh, looking at it, uh, Parker, I'm going to start with you on this one, but Minnesota won 30 to nothing over Colorado last year in Boulder. Uh, Minnesota 5-0 and against the spread in their last five games. They are 5-1 and against the spread in their last six against losing teams, and that certainly fits the bill with Colorado right now. Uh, the Buffs are one and five against the spread their last six non-conference games. However, they are four and one against the spread after a straight-up loss. Now, that one there it was actually this past week where they got demolished by Air Force, who uh, is is the number one rushing offense in the country. I mean, they're just ridiculous. Uh, their Colorado's offense has been dreadful through two weeks. Uh, just unbelievable. Only 162 yards on 53 plays against Air Force. Uh, they are abysmal, to say the least. Uh, the defense, 710 yards allowed on 100 attempts. They're allowing over seven yards a carry. It's just mind-blowing. Minnesota, through two weeks, is the number two rushing offense behind Air Force, who just demolished Colorado on the ground last week. And uh, they're number one in total offense. 582 yards per game, 7.41 yards per play. This looks like a gigantic mismatch. Uh, I don't know. The Colorado can really do anything in this. Parker, do you see anything different from Colorado this week than what you saw against Air Force last week? And Minnesota can effectively run the same thing that Air Force did, right? Yeah, with with maybe um, a little bit more potency because Minnesota is not running the triple option, setting up an explosive pass, uh, you know, for all the, the issues Air Force had with, with weather and, and turnovers last year. Uh, Minnesota's running an RPO. So if, as soon as you course correct um, to stop the run, which you're going to try because Minnesota is super efficient, um, and explosive on the ground, you're, you're allowing Tanner Morgan to, to beat you over the middle um, on that glance or on those now screens and kind of get you outnumbered. Um, I, I like Minnesota here. I think that um, 
the uh, a couple important notes were that that Colorado Minnesota game last year was right after Colorado performed maybe the best performance of of their tenure of of, of Durrell's tenure when they almost beat Texas A and M at home, and then Minnesota came in and beat them thirty to nothing. Um, a big concern I would have would be Minnesota how how. Um, geared up are they going to be to kind of put points on them and i'm really encouraged by against new mexico state uh minnesota went 38 to nothing really ran up the score there um against western illinois they dropped 62 so they're not afraid to take their foot off the gas or excuse me they they they're they're not afraid to not take their foot off the gas and that that with a number like this where the projected points are are so high but the total is so low um, I mean, you're, 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 you know, Colorado scored uh, a junk touchdown against TCU. They scored a uh, stupid touchdown on a short field against Air Force. So you really have a thin margin for error if Minnesota's not going to run the ball, uh, excuse me, run the score up. But again, I, I think it's a smart bet to bet against Colorado at any time this season. 126th EPA margin, 127th on offense, 113th on defense, just absolutely nothing going for them. 121st on early downs EPA, 127th on third and fourth down success rate allowed. I mean, they are just... Um, uh, in a really bad state, they don't have the talent. This is this is just a really a mess of a team, um, and 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 as the beatings pile up, um, perhaps the willpower uh, diminishes as well. So fading Colorado is certainly a good strategy here. Um, Minnesota, you know, it's only two games against bad competition, but um, I think I'd kind of counted them out for the Big Ten West. And my interest is peaked in the non-con. I think hey, you know <laughs> they're beating bad teams, but they're beating them convincingly. You know, Wisconsin yeah. doesn't look that great. Maybe, maybe there's a maybe there's a path here for for them to kind of be the front runner. So we'll see how that pans out. But um, the the reason I'm staying away from this is just high, low total, high spread makes me nervous about just at the margin again. There's a lot of room uh, for Colorado to run back a fluke pick six and completely ruin this. Uh, yes, I I totally understand where you're coming from there. I the points being run up right now. A brief analogy, and Kyle, I'm going to toss this over to you here in a second, but. You have your offensive coordinator back from the best season that Minnesota had in, I mean, I don't even know how long, a few years ago, but Kurt Soraka comes in and they've got everything back working the way that they wanted it to work the whole time he had left. It's kind of like the ex-girlfriend that leaves you and you jump into another relationship that you're not super happy about, uh, but that ex-girlfriend comes back because it turns out things were not quite as good, uh, maybe at... I don't know, Happy Valley or somewhere else. Kirk <laughs> so Soroka re-return. Is, are you trying to sell me the re-return for Kirk Soroka? Uh, important <laughs> to note, and I'll, we should let Kyle talk. I'm sorry, Kyle. Um, <laughs> Minnesota's OC, the, the girlfriend they broke up with recently, is the offensive coordinator in Colorado right now. Yeah. So uh, if you want to say that that um, uh, PJ Fleck ran it up against Jerry Kill for um, some normative reasons, you can Google that. I won't talk about that on air. But uh, then you could also say maybe PJ Fleck has some incentive to run up against Colorado as well. Most certainly. Kyle, uh, the PPA margin here, predicted points added margin, number three for Minnesota, number 129 for Colorado. <laughs> Give me your thoughts. <laughs> well, I mean, guys, we've worked together long enough now. I think you know what I'm going to say. I'm, I'm definitely in agreement with any fade of Colorado. This is a terrible team. They're really bad. Honestly, Air Force kind of screwed around last week and kept that game closer than they should have for a good while. And uh, Colorado under three and a half was my second biggest win total bet of the year. Uh, just a terrible team, a brutal schedule. To me, the only thing that concerns me about this is Minnesota is not really a team that I love to lay a bunch of points with, usually because they play so slowly. Their tempo last year was the slowest pace of any team in the country. And so far this year, they're in the bottom five again. So, you know, I think that 
asking them to score a lot of points could be a difficult thing in some of these games. But then you sit and look at the other side, and I try to find a way to say, well, why would Colorado cover? How many points do I think Colorado's going to score? Not very many at all. Uh, you know, JT Shrout, uh, Shrout was supposed to be, you know, an upgrade uh, at quarterback. He was five for 21 for 51 yards last week. Yikes. I mean, just terrible. And I'm not saying Air Force is a bad defense, but Minnesota is a better defense than Air Force. Uh, you know, I think Colorado team total under here would have been worth a consideration, but I'm doing the math in my head. And I'm thinking, I don't even think it's going to be 10. I think it's going to be below 10. It'll probably be nine and a half, which is hard to take because, you know, some ridiculous special teams touchdown or something could beat you. Uh, I think Minnesota grinds out a big win here. And this one, a, uh, you know, 30 point win or something like a 38 to seven type game. So I agree on Minnesota here. There's no way I could take Colorado. I think they're a team that uh, is so bad to start with. And I think Parker makes a good point. At some point here, they just decide this is it. I mean, you know, what what else do we have to play for? And I think that will be earlier in the season uh, for Colorado than it would be for most teams. Uh, most certainly. Uh, the scary part is, and this is no disrespect to TCU or Air Force, this is not like Colorado has played Alabama and Georgia and uh, Ohio State or whoever, right? This is not like the top teams of the sport. They are doing this against uh, good competition but not just overwhelming out talent competition. And I mean, it is really bad in Boulder right now. Official play for me, I'm going to take Minnesota to run it up. I think PJ Fleck wants to show off his relationship with uh, Soroka to his ex, of course, now with Mike Sanford uh, over at Colorado. I think he's going to run this thing up. I will take Minnesota to cover the 27 and a half on that. Now we've got a massive game on CBS it is the SEC on CBS here, but this is a Big Ten team traveling down to the Plains. Penn State, a three-point favorite. The total sits at 49. Latest odds, of course, over at BetUS. And this one is going to be a lot of fun in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Good gracious. Penn State won this thing last year in Happy Valley, 28-20. to Penn State 6-1 and against the spread in September games in their last seven. They are 1-6, however, against the spread against SEC teams. Now, Auburn, on the other hand... One and six against the spread against Big Ten teams in their last seven. So not great. Auburn one and six against the spread in their last seven overall. Uh, Penn State, Nick Singleton, last week, first 100-yard rusher since Kevon Lee had 134 against Michigan in the 2020 season. They didn't have a single 100-yard rusher all season in 2021. They get it last week on just 10 carries. 10 carries, 179 yards on that. Uh, I don't know how that's going to necessarily fare against Auburn's defensive line, considering they did that against Ohio's. But regardless, Auburn last week struggled mightily with San Jose State. Uh, was that just a look-ahead spot? Are there real issues here? I'm very curious on it. You've got two interceptions for Auburn last week. Uh, the quarterback play still is not great with T.J. Finley or Robbie Ashford, who actually saw the field last week in a tight ball game. Auburn is 63% run versus 37% pass right now. Kyle, I want to start with you on it. San Jose State had 15% havoc. Can the Penn State defensive line hold up against the Auburn O-line and force them into passing downs? If they do, this three would not look like enough to me. Uh, what say you? I think the trends support a Penn State play in this one. Uh, Franklin's been really good as a favorite. 51 and 34 against the spread, 60% exactly. So, uh, you know, the only thing that I'm concerned about is I think Auburn's such a matchup-dependent team. If you look at Auburn, they're all about the run on the offense, and they stop the run on defense. 
their their definitely a weakness would be the secondary. Can Penn State make them pay enough here? I think that's kind of my question about this game. Penn State is 16th in explosiveness on offense so far this year. Tensley's been a really good ad for them. Uh, Auburn is fifth in, in pass rushing grade at PFF so far this year. And, and you know I'm going to say Penn State's offensive line could could be in for some difficult times if, if they don't figure out something here for uh, getting rid of the ball pretty quickly because that offensive line is still weak. You know, as far as the, the coaching matchup, I think Franklin's a pretty good edge over Harson, especially the current state that Harson's in. I mean, nobody at Auburn really seems to, uh, you guys know. So uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to get too deep into that. But what are you what are you talking about, Kyle? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. What, yeah. Uh, Penn State, uh, their secondary is the strength of their defense, but Auburn doesn't really want to throw here. So can Penn State stop the run? I think Penn State's a better team than Auburn. Uh, the matchups have me wanting to kind of stay away from this game in general. So I think Parker has a lot stronger thoughts here than I do. I could uh, I could understand that. Uh, the voodoo juju of Jordan-Hare Stadium. I, I can't imagine. We all saw what happened in Penn State's first game at Purdue. Uh, it's there's crazy, crazy magic kind of stuff. And I would not want to be anywhere within a hundred miles of this stadium on Saturday, because you know, something crazy, some kind of ultrasonic force is going to happen. Something that we did not expect. That's why I'm certainly going to be watching the game, but Parker, uh, give me your thoughts here. I mean, Auburn, I don't know if last week was a look ahead spot or if it was the fact that uh, Brent Brennan and the San Jose state staff, know what to expect from a Harson team, considering he was at Boise for so long. I, I don't know what happened. I know San Jose State has a pretty decent defensive line, but man, they made Auburn look really bad last week and almost found a way to come out of there with a win. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, well, one, um, Kyle, thank you for saying that Penn State was the the good side. I feel like sometimes you're the professor reading my essay, and so good feedback always gives me that boost of confidence there. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I think that Auburn is just very inconsistent. They're a little bit identity-less on offense. Um, and, and they are really, really rushing the ball a whole lot. Uh, 57th in rush, or excuse me, 93rd in rush rate over expected. So really, really want to run the ball. I think Penn State's uh, rushing defense is, is certainly a little bit worse than their, their passing defense. But limited sample here. And I think they have gotten, um, you know, a lot of teams like to play an FCS game and then a, and then a G5 game early in the season to kind of work out some of the kinks. Um, and I think Penn State uh, really got a benefit here by playing a conference game, playing Purdue, an offense that could punish you. If you make a mistake, Aiden O'Connell has that experience to, to hit a receiver and, and kind of punish you and put you back. And so I think on defense especially, they've probably worked out a few of those things. There was also um, – Again, I'll be vague here. There was also a little bit of a weirdness with uh, Sean Clifford being out for a couple drives um, in the Penn State-Purdue game that, again, I think is might have skewed some perception. Um, that, that game I had a little bit more uh, favored towards Penn State just on the basics than the final score revealed there. So um, definitely the strength of, of best on best here is Penn State's rushing versus Auburn's rushing uh, defense. So Penn State 19th in EPA per rush this season. Auburn is, is 7th in uh, EPA per rush on defense. They, they really have been, um, uh, stuck by some big plays, some, you know, some bad field position there for, for Auburn. So I think that Penn state with some consistency should be able to kind of run an offense that has an identity. Um, and if they can, you know, if Clifford is able to move just a little bit more than he could in the Purdue game, I do think that they should be able to score enough to keep Auburn at bay here. So, um, I'm going to go with Penn state on the road as a, as a favorite here. Let's go ahead and make it official. Parker is going to ride with the Nittany Lions, favored by three. 
So Penn State to cover the three on the road. Uh, I can't disagree. I totally understand where you're coming from, but man, uh, you know, yeah, all of us have seen it. Jordan Hare has some crazy stuff happen there, so I cannot wait to watch that ball game. Moving along, we are going to jump into a a just fun, smaller non-conference game. Georgia Southern, fresh off that upset in Lincoln, Nebraska last week, they are an 11.5 point dog at UAB in Birmingham. UAB, of course, coming off of a loss at Liberty, where they had four turnovers in the game. Uh, but that is the latest line at BetUS. The total sits at 54 and a half. It's at Protective Stadium. This is just crazy trends all around on this. Georgia Southern four and one against the spread in their last five on the road. They are seven and three against the spread in their last ten non-conference games. They are five and zero oh against the spread in their last five games total. UAB six and two against the number against Sunbelt teams. They are five and one against the spread against teams with a winning record in their last six. It looks like Georgia Southern has found out what a passing offense looks like, and they blew up Scott Frost's career with a 45 to 42 win last week. Uh, can they emotionally get back for this game? I mean, that was a huge win for Clay Helton and bunch. UAB disappointing in that 21 to 14 loss at Liberty. Uh, they lost four turnovers. All of them were fumbles. They literally lost every fumble that they that they put out there. So Liberty found a way to capitalize on turnovers. Uh, but other than that, UAB averaged 5.6 yards per rush. They had five scoring opportunities, only had 2.8 points per. That is only, uh, let's see, that's uh, two touchdowns on five scoring opportunities last week. The line looks a little screwy because Georgia Southern looked dynamite on offense last week. There are questions, obviously, on their defense. Parker, let's start off with you on this. UAB, if not for turnovers, would be 2-0, and and I wonder if this line would be bigger or I'm not sure exactly what to think here. <laughs> give me give me your thoughts on it. Um, Three of those fumbles, Liberty didn't score on. Liberty yeah. only scored on one to win, to, to, to win, uh, win. No, no, sorry. That was um, UAB uh, scored on a Liberty fumble as well. So it was 21 to seven and UAB yeah. scored a 20 yard touchdown. And Liberty had, so I'm going to get this exactly right. Liberty had a first and 10 at the UAB 26, didn't score uh, after a fumble. They had um, a first and 10 at the 48 after a fumble and did not score. So two short fields there that they didn't take advantage of. And UAB got a 20, uh, 20 yard score. Also, that's Liberty's backup quarterback, who, I mean, looked pretty good, but but is also technically their backup. I, so yeah, I bit, think was the bit. I think was the better quarterback overall on the yeah. roster. Like it's Salter is fantastic, but regardless, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, he, yeah, he looked he looked great. Um, but uh, yeah, so so I'm a little bit worried about. I mean, four fumbles is a lot, right? A couple fumbles is um, is uh, an issue, but four fumbles is, is a problem. And uh, especially with like a Bill Clark team, you're looking for low variance consistency. And last year, they were actually super explosive in the pass game, almost like a triple option team where they would just hit a long, uh, a long pass. So if they can't be consistent enough to give themselves opportunities to make those big plays, a little bit worried about, about UAB here. Um, but you could also argue, hey, those fumbles, maybe that was just a really bad outlier performance with those. They could, they could do a little better. Um, I do like what Georgia Southern's done. Um, uh, other people smarter than me have made this point with more nuance, but it is interesting um, the differences between G5 and P5, where, for instance, Georgia Tech tried to come out of the triple option and has not been able to really establish themselves. 
And Georgia Southern is doing it in game two uh, through the magic of the transfer portal and a little bit of grit and a little bit of good luck. So they're ninth in EPA for pass right now, 17th in EPA for rush. Um, really good on early downs and, and really balanced on late downs. 11th in early downs EPA, 6th in uh, third and fourth down success. So UAB is ov obviously always going to be a really good third down defense, uh, 18 um Percent. I think I said Bill Clark out loud, but um, I want to uh, mention that he's uh, obviously retired and I um, hope that he's doing well. But um, yeah, so 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 uh, a little bit of consistency issues there. But uh, th third and fourth down defense, I think you're going to be, uh, you know, a lot is going to have to happen for Georgia Southern on early downs. And um, the, the offense defense, Georgia Southern versus UAB is kind of the. Uh, strength on strength matchup. I, I really am not high on on what UAB has done on offense and Georgia Southern's defense. I mean, they they really have had to white knuckle it um, last week. So we'll see what kind of what UAB's consistency looks like. But the fact that they had four fumbles, um, I think Georgia Southern has that like downfield ability enough to keep this game close, even if UAB is outplaying them. Kind of what happened in the Liberty game last week, where. Um, you know, except on the margin, they really were, were, were struggling with some things. So uh, no, no play for me just because the uncertainty with, with those four fumbles. But I do like Georgia Southern's offensive upside here. I So Brian Vincent is the interim head coach at UAB, and he was the offensive coordinator. And the fact that the offense hasn't exactly been dynamite uh, kind of makes me wonder if they are not expecting something big this week with Georgia Southern coming to town. Kyle, uh, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this one. I I tend to lean UAB just because the line looks a little screwy, and when something like that goes that way, uh, obviously people are betting Georgia Southern with that total going down or the line going down. Uh, the total has come down too; it opened at fifty-five and a half, it's down to fifty-four and a half. Uh, give me some thoughts here. I mean, this is a, a three thirty p.m. Eastern time game on Stadium. It's not not exactly prime time, but I, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, I want to be fair and say that for the early slate this week, I thought it was a difficult card. So it was hard for me to find a lot of plays that I really liked on the early slate. Um, that's why I think that's why we have so many from the 330 games, because, you know, you got that midday uh, action going on there in the afternoon. But I, I do want to say that I'm really not solely a situational uh, better as a lot of people are. Uh, I would really lean toward using the data and regression analysis. But a situational spot, if you're a situational better, this is your dream. It's good because Georgia Southern just beat Nebraska, got Scott Frost fired. UAB just lost to Liberty. So now Georgia Southern's feeling really good about themselves. They think they're just world beaters. They're amazing. Uh, I think that team's not as good as, as people think they are right now. Uh, I think that UAB is not as bad as, as some people think they are right now. Now, I will say I would like this one better if Bill Clark was still the coach because I think Bill Clark was just a man when it comes to a coach. I mean, tremendous I do want to say, too, Georgia Southern's offense has really not faced a good secondary yet. UAB is a good secondary, definitely better than Nebraska by quite a bit. And the other thing about, uh, you know, I've seen some people say, well, they lost to Liberty without Brewer. I don't think Brewer is as good as, as Salter. I think uh, Salter is a really good fit for that uh, Liberty offense. He's done very well there, uh, dual threat for sure. So I think Georgia Southern is overrated coming off that win. I think they've done a good job. I got to give Helton credit. Uh, you know, I think they'll have a decent season now, but UAB is a better team than Georgia Southern. UAB coming off a really bad performance, laying 12 points here. The public, 65% uh, of the bets here on Georgia Southern. I expect the public to continue betting Georgia Southern. So in this one, I'm going to take the UAB team that I think is being uh, thrown out a little bit too soon, kind of a buy low on UAB. 
I like it. Let's go ahead and make it official. Kyle is going to ride with the Blazers to cover 11 and a half at home, and I cannot disagree with it. I'm with you 100% at Georgia Southern. This is an emotional letdown spot, big time, and a big time pickup spot for UAB. Uh, they may just lay down the hammer in this one. So I, I can't wait to see it. Reminder, we've got two ball games left to cover today. Of course, we have the Q&A afterwards, so jump into the chat. We would love to get your questions for that. But uh, like the video, <laughs> I see quite a few people watching, and we are almost to that 100 likes threshold. So go ahead and do us that favor. Like the video. And if you've not already, subscribe to the channel. We are trying to get to our next goal, which is, of course, 7,000. If you would so kindly, make sure and subscribe. Hit the notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. I'll go ahead and tell you when that is. It's Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And if you can't get here for the live show and you want to listen to our sultry voices, of course, on your radio dial, you can, of course, get the podcast. The BetUS Football Show, available at any of your favorite pop, uh, podcast apps. Podcast apps. Good gracious. All right. Don't forget about tomorrow's show. Let's go ahead and dive into the next one. Ole Miss headed to Atlanta to take on Georgia Tech in good old Bobby Dodd Stadium. This one's not going to be at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium here. Uh, it's 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on ABC, so a national window here. Ah, good gracious. Ole Miss 6-2-1 against the spread in non-conference games. Uh, it's, uh, Ole Miss is a 16-point favorite, by the way, at latest line over at BetUS with a total of 58 Ole Miss 6-2-1 against the spread in non-conference games. However, they are 2-5-1 against the spread after a spread win. Georgia Tech, I mean, this number is not good. They are 1-10 against the number after a straight-up win. They won last week, and here they are back at home. They are 2-14 against the spread in their last 16 non-conference games. Just brutal trends that heavily favor Ole Miss in this spot. Uh, Ole Miss has not announced a quarterback starter this week. I don't know that it's necessarily going to matter. They're number 16 in the country in rushing success rate. That's 59% against Georgia Tech, who is number 121 in rushing success rate allowed. Uh, Evans and the freshman here. It, it, remarkably, it's not Ulysses Bentley who transferred in from SMU, but it's the freshman, Quinshawn Judkins, who has gotten a majority of the carries along with Zach Evans from TCU. Uh, Georgia Tech did not look great in a 35-17 win over Western Carolina last week. Jeff Sims, 8-17 of 17 for 100 yards, one interception passing last week. Uh, you have to be able to trade points with Lane Kiffin's offense if you're going to stay in a ball game. I don't know that Georgia Tech is really fully bought in to their own coaching staff. I'm, I'm very curious about this. Uh, Kyle, I want to start with you here. What can we expect from Jeff Collins' team here? I mean, I know that they're going to be at home, but this is... This is a very interesting spot for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to expect anything too great from Jeff Collins' team because we've seen time and time again that they've been bad. He's 10-24 and 24 against the spread at Georgia Tech. So if you've been betting Georgia Tech, you're just burning your money at this point. Um, against an opponent with a win percentage of 50% or higher, 5-14 and 14 against the spread, Jeff Collins' teams at Georgia Tech. And in the first six games of the season at Georgia Tech, so early season, 4-15 and 15 against the spread, you're betting against a lot of numbers here if you want to take Georgia Tech. I think Georgia Tech tries. I don't think it's a, a team that doesn't put in effort. You know, I just think that their, their scheme has not worked. You know, it's, uh, their talent level is not terribly high. And I think that Ole Miss, and you look at them, underrated offensive line this is a good running team like gary said and i've had some people tell me 
Um, a guy who who kind of scouts uh, told me, hey, watch out for Judkins. And Judkins is eight yards per carry so far this year. He looks like the next star at Ole Miss. Uh, clearly, Evans is very good as well, but Judkins has had some tremendous runs. Georgia Tech was outgained by Western Carolina last week. They were plus three in turnover margin. Sims is a really inconsistent quarterback. He could make a good play one play and then uh, make a terrible turnover the next play. He really doesn't have much help around him either, so it's not just him. I think Ole Miss has some question marks on the defensive line that against stronger teams later on will be an issue. I don't think that's going to be an issue here. I certainly lean Ole Miss in this game. Parker, as I mentioned before, the situation with the quarterback starter, uh, Jackson Dart or Luke Altmyer, does it really necessarily matter who plays quarterback at this point for Ole Miss? Uh, give me give me some thoughts on this ballgame. Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to believe that uh, Lane Kiffin likes Luke Altmyer a little bit better just in terms of what he can do in terms of processing and reads, but is very happy with Jackson Dart's athleticism and ability, and of course he'll, he'll grow up as he's in the system for a little bit. So, I mean... Uh, I, I don't think it matters at all. I think the run game alone would, would be enough for me to cover to, to choose Ole Miss to cover here. Um, I think Georgia Tech, we looked at their their push along the offensive line has just not been there. Um, and the defensive line has really just just not um, not not a lot of resistance there. I have them at 117th in both EPA per pass allowed and EPA per rush. Um, allowed really, really, really bad. Um, and, you know, Ole Miss last year was one of, I think I think this was three teams, but I might be wrong with this, one of three teams to have um, three guys with at least 100 rushing attempts. Um, and so they really were trying to get a lot of, uh, hey, fresh legs, let's, let's keep these guys moving. They look like they're able to do that again. Uh, I have them right now as the most efficient team uh, in rushing in the nation, first in EPA per rush. Um, obviously, we're not opponent adjusted this early in the season, but still really, really good on its face. And, and success rate, I think, is really great. Uh, seventh overall success rate. I mean, they're just going to consistently move the ball. I don't know if there's a point where they're stop. Um, against Georgia Tech, and I think I think Ole Miss has the advantage uh, in the trenches on offense. Their run game should be enough to distance this from from Georgia Tech as well. So I'm uh, I'm going to go with Ole Miss and their run game to kind of add um, add a little bit more uh, dark clouds to Georgia Tech season and uh, and cover this one by a big uh, big spread. Uh, you you are right on that, by the way. Henry Parrish had 105 carries. Matt Corral had 152. Uh, Ely had 133 and Snoop Connor had 130. Uh, Henry Parrish, of course, now the running back at Miami. But let's make it official. Parker likes Ole Miss to cover the 16 here, and I cannot disagree with it. Uh, Georgia Tech looks hapless at this point uh, until there is some kind of uh, proof of concept from Jeff Collins. Uh, he will be a good fade candidate for, for maybe the rest of the season, uh, and we'll see if he makes it at the end of the season. And so I'm, I'm curious there. We got one more ball game left, so let's go ahead and dive into it. A Sun Belt battle in college game day is headed to Boone, North Carolina, to take on Troy. Good gracious. App State hosting Troy as a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. Latest line, courtesy of BetUS, and the total sits at 52-and-a-half. Kid Brewer Stadium is going to be rocking on this one after that upset win over Texas A&M last week. It's 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, and it's on ESPN+. Plus. So game day, going to a plus game here. App won this game last year 45-7, to and they are 4-0 and straight up against Troy in the last four years. They are 3-0-1 against the spread in that time period. However, in the other games, App is 2-5 and against the spread as a home favorite. Troy, on the other hand, 
not much better on the road. Three and seven against the spread in their last 10 as a road dog. However, they did cover as a road dog against Ole Miss in game one of the season, in game one of the John Sumrall era. Troy came out of the gate slow the last two weeks uh, against Ole Miss and against Alabama A&M. They did show up late. The defense has looked pretty good. They are uber talented on that side of the ball. Uh, the quarterback, Gunnar Watson, looks okay. Like he, he doesn't look bad. This definitely seems to be an improvement over what they were under Chip Lindsey. Ab State with that massive win at Texas A&M, and now you've got college game day coming into Boone, North, uh, North Carolina. Uh, how is the mental toughness going to be against a team that they have just owned for the last four years? App currently is averaging 86 offensive plays per game. That is mind-blowing to me. Uh, Parker, let's start off with you here. App State has been really, really good. Of course, we mentioned at the beginning of the season that App had lost, I believe, three of their top four wide receivers from last year, or it may have been four out of five. Uh, but they had lost quite a bit. They did bring back Chase Bryce. The defense had question marks, but you know they come out in game one and they just get ransacked by North Carolina. And then they put up a performance like they did last week against Texas A&M at Kyle Field, and they get a huge top 10 win. And I wonder here, was that more to do with Jimbo Fisher's offense at Texas A&M, or was it maybe... Uh, just App State is a really, really good football team. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this one, Parker. You, you go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the, the thing about like my efficiency numbers is they aggregate all the season, and so that Texas A&M performance really has not course corrected the UNC debacle for the App State defense because they only played like 32 plays, what 38 plays against Texas yeah. A&M last week. So not a huge sample size to go from there. I do think that that UNC game was um, the, a, a little bit of talent outmatched, and they were able to you know exploit UNC's defense there. But um, I, I did wonder to myself, and maybe this is a Kyle question: If App State, I know we don't think like this, and and smart people shouldn't think like this, but maybe lines think like this: If App State had gotten one of those two point conversions and beaten North Carolina, would this line be like more north of fifteen, Kyle? Uh, probably over fourteen at least. Yeah. Yeah, I was just I just had that thought of like 12 and a half seems oh interesting. I think if they had that W, that would have been a little bit more. That's that's closer in line with where my um my line is. So I, I definitely lean app here. That defense does make me a little nervous. Um one, one thing to note about Gunner, um uh I almost called him Gunner Henderson. That's a different person. Gunner Gunner Watson. Uh Gunner Watson, you know, had a pretty good game against Ole Miss, especially in the second half as they got a little um smarter with it but still only a 6.2 average depth of target 5.9 yards per attempt um and so we'll see if they can do anything kind of meaningful downfield but um uh, I, i'm not as optimistic on him just because he was throwing it a little bit shorter and and look that's fine like if you're a g5 program you're limited by offensive line you're limited by talent wide receiver ask your quarterback to do what he can do but um definitely the worst quarterback that app state has seen uh, out of their last two matchups. And so that, that certainly would, would incline me to lean towards App State and their defense being a little bit better than the aggregate numbers have it. Huge split here, 35th in offensive EPA, 91st in defensive EPA for App State. So um, we'll we'll see how they can um, go there. The, the other thing to point out is um, Troy did not do well in third and fourth down uh, defense against Old Miss, like comically bad. And uh, and App State, you know, 51 point or excuse me, not 51.3, 42.3, third and fourth down success. So so a pretty, pretty decent. But but maybe um, maybe there's an edge there for App State will be able to extend drives as well. So I would lean towards App State here um, and and but kind of seeing what happens for Troy. I know both of you are holding a 
a Troy Sunbelt West uh, ticket. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what they can do. Uh, this is a pretty pivotal game for that. Uh, most certainly. Most certainly. Uh, Kyle, we'll move this over to you at Parker first. Are we are we sure that Gunnar Watson is not a better quarterback than Haynes King? Like, are we just are we 100 percent positive on this? You said he's the Gunnar Watson is going to be the worst quarterback that they faced. Eh, you know, OK, here's how I think about this. Cut me off. Cut me off. But here's how I think about this. If I just picked a random offensive coordinator, a random offensive line and random uh, wide receivers and I let Haynes King throw 10 passes in that offense and I let Gunnar Watson throw 10 passes in that offense, who's probably going to be more successful in expectation? Uh, it's, okay. it's closer. It's closer. It's closer. It was last year. It's closer before we got him on the field a little bit this year, but I, I still think it's Haynes King. That's okay. I, I can, I can understand where you're coming from, but however, Haynes King in that Jimbo offense certainly has not exactly been successful thus far. I think we can say that, uh, Kyle, let's move it over to you on this one. Uh, you know, Troy, you want to talk about a situational spot. Good gracious. With a big time top 10 road, win, you're coming back home and you're facing a conference opponent at home with college game day at home. This certainly seems like a spot. I thought this line would be significantly more. Uh, the fact that it's only 12 and a half, I'm curious your thoughts here. Yeah, guys, I kind of feel like I'm on an island here because I see the chat. Really love an app state. Uh, Parker lean and app state here. I'm going to take Troy in this one. Uh, this is one where I expected the line to be a bit higher than it was. I did think I might get plus 14 or 14 and a half or something like that. I wanted to either take the under or Troy in this game. I ended up taking Troy. And I'll tell you, this is uh, situationally a really tough spot for App State based on the fact that they not only played and won that game big last week at uh, not won by a lot, but a big game at Texas A&M. And really the stats show that that was a legitimate win. It wasn't, you know, some kind of fluke. And then before that, though, they played the overtime game against North Carolina. So they've had two big games in a row. Uh, this is a, if they don't let down in this game, there's going to be a letdown spot for App State coming up sometime because they can't put their max effort and have their best game every single game. But the main reason I like this is I think Troy's defense is better than they have shown so far this year. And we talked about it in the preseason. Uh, Troy underachieved really badly the last couple of years. And I know you could point to saying, you know, well, they didn't look very good last week against Florida A&M. I don't think they cared about that game against Florida A&M. I think they just wanted to get ready for this game. Why would Troy put a lot into that game or try to run up that score. They were prepping for this game to be ready to go. Meanwhile, App State was putting everything into their game at Texas A&M. So I, I think that their coaching staff is an upgrade from what they had before. I think we've we've said that many times that Chip Lindsay, Lindsay just did a really bad job here. Uh, Troy has really good team talent based on recruiting rankings the last few years. And honestly, they probably have the best defensive line in the Sun Belt. App State, if you can make Chase Bryce have to beat you with his arm consistently, that offense doesn't get near as good because Peoples and Noel are the stars of this offense. And I do want to say, I realize there's risk in a game like this because App State has blown out Troy consistently for several years. And this is one of those kind of contrarian plays where I don't take these all the time, but you know, I think Troy has to be up for a game like this. And I'm not saying App State doesn't care. You know, You have game day coming in, so they certainly would care. Having said that, though, I think this is a spot where I might want to sell high on App State uh, coming off such a high-profile uh, high win against uh, Texas A&M. And you take a bio on a Troy team with real talent that should be highly invested in a game like this. So if they lose by a lot, 
you know, it certainly could happen. But I think this is the type of spot that you want to look for as a better in college football. You buy a team that's really invested in a game against a team who just put a lot into the last game and is probably pretty highly rated because of that. So I'm going to take Troy here, a contrarian look here on this one. I like it. I like it. Let's make it official. Kyle rolling with Troy plus 12 and a half at App State in front of God in college game day and everybody. I love it. I love it. All right. It is time to dive into the Q&A. Let me remind everybody, go ahead and like the video if you have not so far. Uh, there's still a disparity between a discrepancy. There we go. Uh, between the number of people watching and the number of likes. So go ahead and like that video for us. And let's go ahead and dive into some of these questions. Now, we can't get to all of them, but obviously you can always reach out to us on Twitter. You can, of course, jump into the comments. We do jump in there after the show, and we will do our best to answer as many as we possibly can. But we'll start off with this, and we'll do a little bit of rapid fire on this so we can get to as many as possible. Uh, we have got, let's see, Mikey Lowe Betts. He says, uh, and now this was early in the show, Western Kentucky at Indiana. Am I crazy for having Western Kentucky as a slight favorite? I will start off with this. I will say, yes, I think you're a little bit crazy for having Western Kentucky as a slight favorite because they have beaten Austin P and let them hang around for forever, and they should have never been in that game. Uh, and then they beat Hawaii, and Hawaii is not great. Now you've got them coming back um, from Hawaii and whatnot. I, I don't like the situation. I like Indiana. They seem to be okay. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm not high on this one. Parker, let's start off with you on this. Uh, what do you think on Western Kentucky and Indiana? Yeah, I think that just not buying Indiana makes them like a Western Kentucky to cover bet is not um, terrible. I don't love it. It's uh, within my confidence. Like the, the spreads within my confidence interval. So I don't like this game very much. Um, but Western Kentucky as a straight up favorite is something that would give me pause about how I was looking at this game. I don't mean that rudely. He, Mikey and I chat on Twitter. We're cool. That's that's not a dig at him. Um I think their defense is way inflated because uh, they played Hawaii and Indiana, you know, maybe Illinois. That's great. Um, I, I, I don't know that I'm super high on them, but I do think power five, this, this is not going to be last year where Western Kentucky has this potent offense and can do whatever they want to people who, and, and not let them, you know, catch, catch their breath. So uh, I, I think that uh, Western Kentucky to cover bet is defensible, but I don't know that uh, them as a favorite is, is um, worth much to me. I, I tend to agree. Uh, Kenneth Collins said, hi, guys, already liked your show. Uh, how does Pitt not go for two? They had nothing left. Backup quarterback, didn't everyone know that they would lose in overtime? Kyle, I'm curious your thoughts on this one. What do you think about Pat Narduzzi deciding to kick the extra point? Well, I mean, I don't want to take too long on this, but I think we could talk for a while about Pat Narduzzi and his questionable. You know, he loves to kick field goals from the one-yard line, things like that. Uh, you know, I felt like that was an obvious spot to go for two. I certainly agree. You've got everybody injured. This is your chance to go ahead and get over with the game. Uh, once it went into overtime, Tennessee is a massive favorite. So I completely agree with that. And although Narduzzi is a good coach overall, he does have some issues with those uh, you know, late game situations. D Jackson 5656 jumps in and said, can Cincinnati cover 22 against a Miami team that looked good against Kentucky in week one? Uh, this one's interesting to me. Uh, yes, I think they can still cover the 22 because I don't know how much of the, the looking good against Kentucky was actually Miami or if it was Kentucky working out some things to get ready for that Florida game, right? So that's the problem with only having two data points. Uh, Parker, let me move it over to you. It's Cincinnati 22 over Miami of Ohio. 
I mean, they, they've kind of blown this team out multiple years in a row. I don't think the talent has dropped off a whole lot uh, at Cincinnati. So I'm, I'm curious your thoughts. The thing that keeps sticking in my mind about Cincinnati is in that Arkansas game, they were um, 3 of 10 on balls 20 yards downfield. But, like, all 10 of them were open. I mean, they they can get guys open, and they had a little bit of issue at hitting them. You wonder if a couple more reps, maybe some more time on the offensive line against a superior uh, uh, an inferior um, defensive line gives gives them a little bit more confidence to hit those deep balls. I think they could have a very explosive offense. Um, I've got this like 23 and a half. So sure. Yeah, let's let's do pizza money for Cincinnati. Why not? I, I like it. their explosiveness. I don't like Miami very much at all. And uh, the, the athleticism and physicality, Miami's not going to do anything like, um, you know, C- Cincinnati is at a power five level. And so, um, yeah, let's do some pizza money on Cincinnati. I'm there with you. I like it. Miami also without Gabbert. So, you know, Gabbert is key to that offense and a massive drop off from him to the backup quarterback. So, yeah, I would definitely lean Cincinnati as well. I'm glad you threw that in there. I completely forgot that he's like they still don't know exactly how long he's going to be out. Right. Right. I think it's probably going to be a while. But, uh, yeah, he's he's a big loss. Yeah, that is bad news. Uh, Steven jumped in. Kyle, this one's for you. Uh, Would love to hear your takes on Liberty at Wake Forest. I mean, Liberty's been money as an underdog with Hugh Freeze. I, I hate to bet against them. And like I said, I actually think Salter is better than Charlie Brewer in this offense. So I think I would bet Liberty here if I was betting something. Uh, is this line 16 and a half now? I think uh, I wonder if we'll get a 17 in that game. I I would I haven't bet it. but uh, We had pretty... a 17. We had one, and, and had it one. immediately got hit. So uh, Hopefully it comes back, but I, I do like Liberty in that game. Let's see. I'm trying to look up the actual live line. Over at BetUS, yeah, it's 16 and a half still. So, yeah, it's every time it hits 17, it just gets bought back. So <laughs> it's just going to stay there in, in no man's land for a little while. Uh, let's see. Hey, reminder, everybody, like the video. We are getting real close to uh, to a record here. So like that video for us, if you would, so kindly. Our bone jumps in. Thoughts on Air Force Wyoming game on Friday night. Parker, I'm going to toss this one over to you since, uh, since you and Kyle both had Air Force last week. Uh, what are your thoughts on them against Wyoming? I love betting on Air Force. I liked betting against Wyoming, but Tulsa burned me the other week, so I'm a little bit frustrated with them right now. Um, the the issue here for me, why I don't have a play, is because I, I have this Air Force should win pretty pretty stoutly here. The EPA margin, they're seventh. You know, uh, Wyoming seventy fourth. Uh, rush rate over expected is what really happens here, like pace, right? So um, Air Force is, is rushing a whole lot, 122nd, obviously, and Wyoming is rushing uh, 70th most, so right in the middle there. I think they'll they'll try and go a little more rush heavy against this Air Force um, defense that, that has been pretty good against the pass. So um, I think they're better. I, I, yeah, you know, transitive property doesn't hold. I was going to say Wyoming's probably better than Colorado, but me and 10 of my friends are probably better than at least one side of the ball than Colorado. So um, I, I, the pacing issue here is, you know, with, with the total being in the forties and uh, it makes me a little bit nervous about betting. Um, but if I had to lean aside, I think air force should cover. I, I tend to agree with you that 15 it does kind of scare me a little bit, but yeah, uh, Craig bowl. I mean, he knows how to stop an offense like this. That's a little terrifying. Uh, Kyle, do you have a play on Mississippi State versus LSU? That's from Shane Cash. Uh, no, I really don't. I don't like this game. I, I would say Mississippi State played well uh, last week. You know, I think Mississippi State's defense is underrated. I think the, their defensive coordinator is so good. Uh, we know that Mississippi State's good on offense and Rodgers is a good fit, but their defense is underrated. I think if I were forced to bet this one, I'd probably bet Mississippi State. Yeah, State's defensive coordinator, Zach Arnett, 
uh, got called for an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on the sideline at Arizona last week, and their coaches were, I'm talking, amped up at Arizona. I can't imagine how amped up they're going to be in Baton Rouge this weekend. Uh, but yeah, that's a game that terrifies me. I'm probably going to stay away from that. Uh, Robert S. jumps in. What are you guys, uh, excuse me, what are you guys thinking about UCF FAU? Uh, Parker, I, Gus Malzahn drives us all crazy when we saw what was working and what he, and I understand that Louisville was was baiting them into throwing the ball, but my gosh. Uh, and then FAU with Willie Taggart. I mean, these are two former Power Five coaches at big time institutions that are now running uh, G5 programs, which UCF will soon be P5 or whatever. We'll, we'll quote that until the end of time. But I'm curious, Parker, what are your thoughts on, on UCF and FAU? FAU's look pretty explosive on uh, offense um, when they've played, you know, less talented uh, <laughs> opponents, right? Like it's kind of a, they, they can beat the guys they should beat pretty, pretty soundly. In terms of translating that up, um, UCF is on a different level talent-wise from from FAU. Obviously, they, you know I don't even have to say that out loud. Um, the big issue here, and the reason that the, the this game is um, the the spread is within my confidence interval for for projections here, is that um, UCF is pretty inconsistent, and it doesn't look like what they want to do on offense aligns with what they can do. And um, I always get worried when somebody's very dependent on what the defense gives you for your playmaking. Um, and that changes week to week. So I'm watching UCF to say, hey, can you decide, OK, we're not good at we're not good at one side of the ball. Like, can we fix that at all? Can they balance out those run pass splits um, against against FAU or, or can they not? So um, UCF, obviously more physical, more talented. I think if this was at UCF, I would be inclined towards uh, picking them to cover. But um Nine points against a, a pretty, you know, a theoretically explosive offense with Nikozi Perry, who's been slinging it. I think ADOT over over 12, been throwing the ball downfield for FAU. That, that seems like a lot after what we saw at UCF last week. I, I tend to agree there. I tend to agree. We got time for one more question, and uh, and we appreciate you guys. You got us over 150 likes. I believe that's the first time that we've done that live, which is pretty awesome. So continue to do so. Make sure that you are subscribed to the show. Last one, we're going to toss it over to Kyle. Trent Nathan asks, am I crazy for taking Fresno State outright? You got a thought? I like Fresno State to cover the spread outright. Uh, I mean, 12, uh, you're probably getting a pretty good price on the money line, so I, I don't hate it. And also, uh, this is a discussion for a different day, but taking a money line underdog when you like uh, the underdog against the spread has proven to be a really good idea long term. So you could put part of your bet on the spread part of it on the money line. Yeah, I don't hate that. I, I think Fresno's offense will move the ball well. USC has not really looked very good defensively. Uh, Hainer's a stud. Uh, yeah, I don't hate it. I think that's a that's a decent play. Yeah, that was a, just an emotional letdown last week. Good gracious. Parker, you go ahead, but man. Is that, UCF going to well, be able to get four turnovers a game for the entirety of the season? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's, this is maybe the regression oh. on that. Jake Hayner's a little more conservative with the football. Maybe because um, what Stanford had two like in the in the 10 yard within the 10 yard line fumbles last week um, or turnovers last week. So I, I, I the thing be wary of UCA, uh, USC's aggregate statistics because they are not going to get that level of turnover luck for the rest of the season. If they are, give Alex Krenz a raise, but I don't think they're going to. <laughs> if they are, get your playoff ticket. I'm all right. Crazy. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, all right, let's. Uh, we did have a couple of questions about uh, your your stake money lean picks, etc. Well, here's the deal. We're going to give you our best bets. So let's go ahead and get into the picks recap here. And Parker, let's start off with you on the left side of the screen here. 
I'm taking Penn State minus three at Auburn, and I'm going to take Ole Miss to cover 16 at Georgia Tech. I like Syracuse at home against Purdue, and I'm going to take Minnesota to cover 27 and a half at home against Colorado. Kyle, what have you got for us? I'm taking UAB minus 11 and a half and Troy plus 12 and a half. And guys, I hate not seeing any totals up there. You know, I was going to say that. I got to, we're going to fix that for tomorrow's show. Oh, you have certainly got that right. All right. That is going to close things out for today. Reminder go ahead and like the video, subscribe to the channel. And, uh, and jump into the comments. We want to know what your picks are on this game uh, or on these games and whatever other games you might have. We like to jump into the comments as well, see what you guys are saying, what you like about the show, what you know, et cetera. Just uh, toss some feedback in there. We love the engagement. We love being able to interact with you guys. So uh, jump into the comments for sure and make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast as well. Uh, subscribe to everything that we got. That certainly helps us out. Now, uh, let's go ahead and get out of here. I mean, we've run long, but this has been a whole lot of fun. We're going to do it again tomorrow, as a matter of fact. So Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern time, we will be right back here. For BetUS, where the game begins, God bless college football, and we'll see you all again tomorrow.